Welcome to Helping Kids Be Kids, the Little Lighthouse podcast, where our passion is to help parents of kids with special needs be confident caregivers. Our mission is to glorify God by improving the quality of life for children with special needs, their families, and communities. I'm your host, Christina McIndarfer, and I'm so glad you're here. With me in the studio today is Stephanie Olson, our assistive technology professional, and we're continuing our series about AAC. Hey, Steph, would you share with us a little bit about today's special guest? Well, I'm really excited that uh, today uh, we're going to be interviewing Lance McLemore. He is, um, fun fact, he was born 45 minutes from where I lived uh, when I was a senior in high school. Oh, that is fun. (laughs) And then we met, you know, two decades later through my work. Uh, Lance is an extraordinary man, and I'm excited to uh, have the conversation with him today. And I'd like to introduce him. Um, He does use a communication device. You're going to hear him uh, use it uh, to answer our questions. And there's some things about the device that we'll talk about and explain as we go along, but you're going to hear beeps and you're going to hear a very robotic sounding voice over the years as I've gotten to know Lance. He's explained to me that these things are very intentional that he's chosen. So for example, the voice is called deck talk and it's one of the first voices. It's called a digitized, um, excuse me, it's called a synthesized voice. And it was one of the first voices created and it sounds like a robot. There's very little, intonation between you know words they're all kind of flat and robotic sounding but he's just explained to me that he auditorily processes that more neutral sounding voice easier than he does a voice like you and I have where we're you know we're going up and down and putting lots of inflection that's just more for his brain to process and then also you're going to hear maybe um, uh, parts of the conversation where there's beeps so every time excuse me he presses a button you hear a beep and then it says the word and so as Lance is getting his thoughts out he's getting feedback from the device that he's pressed the right button and said the right word just like I might say I drank some milk no I mean I drank some uh, coke last night I heard the word milk and I self-corrected myself so it's, it's that same process. Mm. As communication partners not familiar with listening to someone use the device, we might be kind of annoyed, like, oh, I'm so tired of these the beep, 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 and like listening to every single word. But it actually keeps us in the conversation. Mm. It's not only helping him with his feedback of he's got the right word and he's pressed it. We're listening. Mm. So it makes us not jabber on or go mm-hmm. on to the next topic because we can tell he's still forming his answer. Lance uh, received a BA in art and philosophy from the University of Alabama in Huntsville. And he is a regular contributor to a blog from the, for the AAC Language Lab, which is a, it's a wonderful subscription service. It's very affordable and they provide, um, they have a blog uh, to help, you know, educate uh, people on AAC, but they provide a, um, educational resources to help teach AAC. So they have stories and language activities that you can download and use. Um, Lance is also a PRC ambassador. So PRC stands for Prinky Romit Company, and he is an ambassador for the company. He uses one of their devices, and so he travels um, internationally uh, as well as around uh, 
our country, um, either virtually or in person, uh, presenting at conferences. Uh, so he's an international national speaker on the subject of having autism and using AAC to communicate. So we're so fortunate to have him here today joining us via Zoom. So hopefully it will be crystal clear on your end, but um, just know that uh, we are merging different technologies together. So my voice is hopefully coming through very clear, but when we get Lance on the line, not only does his device have a speaker, but um, it's going through Zoom. So the quality might be diminished a little bit. And I think we are going to look into having a transcript created. Yes. So if you are listening to this podcast and you're like, oh, I'm just having a little trouble processing it, look for the link for the transcript and you can read along as you listen and that'll help fill in any gaps that you're hearing uh, because of the technology. Yes. And uh, Lance brings a wonderful insight as a user, as an adult user, to help you understand the process that your child may be going through as they're learning to use their device. He actually spoke for 11 years before he lost his ability to speak. So he has very high level communication, but he sets a great example for us of wanting to ensure that all of our children have access to all the language. So they have no limitations. He makes some wonderful points about how communication isn't about just saying what you want or what you need, but being able to honestly express how you're experiencing the world and how you feel. So um, he spoke to me about really giving people permission to feel what they're feeling and be with them in that. Thank you for joining us for this really insightful conversation with this wonderfully intelligent young man, Lance Macklemore. Thank you for joining Steph and I today to share with us your insights into using LAMP. You're welcome. Well, I am honored to be here. It's always an honor. Uh, Lance um, is so willing to come in to the trainings that I do. And I tell you, I never, I don't know if you get this feedback, Lance. You don't get to see the feedback forms, but every single training that I do, 50 to 60% of everybody comments, Lance was the best part of the training. <laughs> I've long since started, stopped feeling, um, you know, hurt by the fact that I'm not the best part of the training that you are. And so we're starting, uh, this is the beginning of our podcast and people who are joining us who are not who don't know you and really, you know, they're hearing these beeps and, um, you know, they're maybe not sure what's happening. Uh, do you mind just introducing yourself and explain the beeps, explain what's happening? <laughs> My name is Glenn and what I'm doing is I'm choosing words, words on my communication device. And as I choose them, it makes a leap and it says each word. My name is 
less that what I'm doing is I'm choosing words on my communication device and as I choose them, it makes a beep and it says each word. Thank you. Um, I remember, well, the first time Lance and I met was on the telephone, or I think John, our friend, mutual friend John connected us with a text message and I wanted to get to know Lance. Um, he could come to my trainings and I remember being on the phone and feeling a little irritation by the beeps. I've, I mean, I'm, I'm not, you, I've said this to you before. I'm not saying this to hurt your feelings. And so I think it's important for you to explain to people listening how important the beep is to you. What, what What's happening in your brain uh, as you're producing language with this box? And how does the beep play into that? I'm sure that most people get irritated by it, but they don't always understand how important it is, and I've come to understand that what works best for an AAC user is not always the most convenient for everyone else. I'm sure that most people get irritated by it, but they don't always understand how important it is. And I've come to understand that what works best for an AAC user is not always the most convenient for everyone else. Mm. The beeps are important because they let me know that I actually press a beep and I don't have to keep looking up at my Box. It makes it faster and easier for me to communicate. The beeps are important because they let me know that I've actually pressed a key and I don't have to keep looking at my text box. It makes it faster and easier for me to communicate. Thank you for that explanation. And for those of you listening, we talk about this in previous podcasts or maybe future podcasts that you haven't listened to yet. Um, this aspect of this motor automaticity that happens with language. So Christina and I are using our mouths and our lips and our, you know, our speaking mechanisms to communicate. And Lance is using, you, you really use one finger, right? You use your left, you just use one finger, your left finger. I use a couple of finger fingers usually. I use a couple of fingers usually. Yeah, and so your ability to communicate as fast as you do is facilitated by all of these sensory feedback loops that you have. The sensory feedback loop of the beep every time you hit a word, the 
your auditory system is like, yeah, that's the right word. I meant to say that. Um, and it, it, you're really extraordinarily fast using this device. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, do you have a question you want to ask? Yeah. I mean, I would just love to know how you got started using LAMP. Well, I got into this mostly by accident. Well, I got into this mostly by accident. In two, zero, one, six, I started working for a new communication device after my old one stopped working. In 2016, I started looking for a new communication device after my old one stopped working. I found ERC and for a while the consultant let me keep a learner and I used a language system called Word Power for a couple of months. Months. I found PRC and for a the consultant let me keep a loaner and I used a language system called Word Power for a couple of months. Then I got an email from ERC about a lamp brain training, and so I ended up going and I met John Halloran and he taught me into trying it and I've been using it ever since. Then I got an email from TRC about a lamp training and so I ended up going and I met John Keller and he taught me into trying it and I've been using it ever since. <laughs> you know, before you tried it, you sat through his lamp training. Um <clears throat> Were you convinced that it was, I mean, did the LAMP training convince you that it was something that you would benefit from, or were you just humoring him by agreeing to try it? <laughs> I thought it was interesting, but it didn't really mean much to me. <clears throat> Until I actually sat down and tried to learn it. To be honest, I was skeptical. I thought it was interesting, but it didn't really mean much to me until I actually sat down and tried to learn it to be. 
I was skeptical. So that was my next question is, do you remember the moment that you saw the overlay and all those random looking pictures? If you, do you remember your thought when you saw that? I had always thought that any language system that had visual support was more for children or people who could not read. I had always thought that any language system that had visual support was more for children or people who could not read. So if I may, for people who are not familiar, Lance referenced using word power as a language system before trying LAMP. And word power is a bank of words and you have access to a keyboard where you can type out words with word prediction. And, you know, Lance, we didn't even talk about your background, your level of education, and um, if you want to share that about yourself. I started out being about able to talk like everyone else and then around the time I was about 11 or so I started talking having trouble talking and it gradually got worse over the next several years years I started out being able to talk like everyone else and then around the time I was about 11 or so I started having trouble talking and it gradually got worse over the next several years by the time I got to college it was really bad and I realized I needed to do something about it. By the time I got to college, it was really bad and I realized I needed to do something about it. One day by accident, I found a book in the library about assistive technology and there was a chapter about AAC. One day by accident I found a book in the library about assistive technology and there was a chapter about AAC. A few years years after I went to my 
Becky. University. Hey, hey. Woman in the disability support office suggested that I get an AAC evaluation. A few years after I went to my second university, a woman in the disability support office suggested that I get an AAC evaluation. So, I did, and I got my first communication device. It was one with a keyboard, and I had to spell everything with word prediction. So I did, and I got my first communication device. It was one with a keyboard, and I had to spell everything with word prediction. Lance, um, if if do you mind sharing uh, a diagnosis that you've been that you identify with? I'm on the <clears throat> autism spectrum. And I have apraxia. I'm on the autism spectrum, and I have apraxia. And as the speech pathologist here, for those of you that don't understand what apraxia means, it's it's um <clears throat> it's the messages between the brain and the parts of your body that produce speech are not firing properly, or there's some kind of interference that makes it challenging to produce sounds and words. The words are all in your head. You're hearing all the words and you understand them, but getting them out is a challenge. Does that fit right with what you experience? I like to tell people it's like having bad wiring in your <clears throat> house and the Burn out easily. I like to tell people it's like having bad wiring in your house and the surface burn out easily. Mm-hmm. Now, if you ever have the the opportunity to hear Lance speak at a conference, I, I know you do different topics. The conference that I heard you speak at, you you talked more about um. A theme of isolation, the importance of connection, how communication plays a role in that. And I just had this, I just want to ask you this question. Um, so you just, you, you recall a time when you could speak and then you recall the time that your speech stopped being efficient. And I wonder if you can reflect on, um, you know, what you were feeling at that time. And, and did you have trouble feeling connect with, connected to other people like at school, um, you know, outside of your immediate family, did you have trouble feeling connected with people even when you did have speech? And, and how did that change when, and when you were losing your ability to really communicate using your mouth? I think 
smug people on the autism spectrum and trouble connecting and so did I even when I could talk. I think most people on the autism spectrum had trouble connecting and so did I even when I could talk. <laughs> Losing the ability to communicate just made it even harder. Losing the ability to communicate just made it even harder. I remember there has been so many day, days when I've been more frustrated than I could possible. Possibly convey with words, words. I remember there has been so many days when I've been more frustrated than I could possibly convey with words. I felt like a wild animal in a cage. Pacing around in circles, circles, slowly losing my mind. I felt like a wild animal in a cage pacing around in circles, slowly losing my mind. I, you know, I haven't heard you describe it that way, but, you know, in our conversations in the past, you've really opened up in me a different way of being with the little people that I work with here at the little lighthouse. And I meet little people who have a diagnosis of autism and have trouble communicating. And I, I try to do things differently than I used to prior to meeting you. You know, um, when you're doing therapy services or you're in a school and you're writing goals because you have to measure that you're making progress in your efforts. I see goals like, um, you know, little, little Susie will um, say her name when asked and can identify, uh, you know, three things that she wants and, you know, these really kind of specific objectives and goals that show us, that demonstrate that they're learning how to communicate. But I wonder if you were to sit down and write some goals for kids uh, who were like you as a kid or, you know, some of the people that you've met now, what kind of goals would you write or suggest for them in using their communication device? To be honest, I think most I goals are a joke. To be honest, I think most IEP goals are a joke. 
I would put in their goals having to do with their social development life, they will learn how to say hello to someone and introduce themselves. I would put in their goal having to do with their social development, like they will learn how to say hello to someone and introduce themselves. They will learn how to have a real conversation. They will learn how to have a real conversation. I think that sort of thing is much more important than any academic goal. goal. I think that sort of thing is much more important than any academic goal. Let's be honest people forget most of what they learn in school. Let's be honest people forget most of what they learn in school. I... If you can not have a conversation and connect to people your <clears throat> life is much more limited and it doesn't matter how high your high you is if you cannot have a conversation and connect two people, your life is much more limited and it doesn't matter how high your IQ is. Mm. There is a funny question I remember getting when I was at a conference. There is a funny question I remember getting when I was at a conference. Is it generated? <laughs> Not really. Okay, well, let's proceed with caution. <laughs> After I was finished eating a Mother of an eleven year old boy. 
had me if she should had her words words to his communication device. After I was finished speaking, a mother of an 11-year-old boy asked me if she should add curse words to his communication device. <laughs> What'd you say? I said yes. I said yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We just, uh, I have a 10-year-old son. He's going to be 11 and on the 24th of this month, and I'm... Um, he and his dad watched the puberty video at school. Instead of all the kids getting together in the gym to watch it, they sent us the link so we could watch it at home. And so there was lots of vocabulary from that. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, and uh, vocabulary that he's hearing around at school that, yeah, it's part of uh, being an 11-year-old little boy. You know, got to... Mm-hmm. Have access to the words and learn when to say them and when not to say them. Touches <laughs> on my left log. Oh, a little. It touches on my left log. Oh, a little. It it I. Talk about how AAC users don't feel like they can ever express negative feelings, feelings. And as I talked about how AAC users can feel like they can't ever express negative feelings. Oh, yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. I don't know about other AAC users, but I feel like there is a stretcher to always be positive and I'm not supposed to talk about how difficult it can be and I don't think that right I don't know about other AAC users, but I feel like there is a pressure to always be positive, and I'm not supposed to talk about how difficult it can be, and I don't think that's right. Mm -hmm. It's part of being human. Lance, I'm so glad that you were addressing how important it is to be honest with, to have permission to communicate everything that you have to say and not feel like you always have to be happy it sounds like you've probably had to learn to give yourself that permission. Yeah. I see people with disabilities on TV. They don't usually talk about how 
it is mm. because they know people don't want to hear it. They want you to inspire them. You're not allowed to be a whole human being. When I see people with disabilities on TV, they don't usually talk about how difficult it is because they know people don't want to hear it. They want you to inspire them. You're not allowed to be a whole human being. Mm. Wow. That's something that's a challenge for me I'm still learning about as I host this podcast is how to give people permission to be honest. What advice would you give to me or to other people to help people who do have special needs be honest about their struggles? You could ask them directly what is bothering them what makes them angry what makes them frustrated you could ask them directly what is bothering them what makes them angry what makes them frustrated I really appreciate you sharing that how would you answer that question (sighs) I'll go sitting and gotten better for me. It still difficult for me to connect to other people and I get very sad and frustrated at times. Although things have gotten better for me, it's so difficult for me to connect to other people and I get very sad and frustrated at times. That totally makes sense. I, I assume there are some people who are probably more sensitive to that than others. What are some of the best things that people have done to help you when you are frustrated to just be with you and walk with you through those harder times? Some people just listen and don't try to shut me down or make me feel like I'm bothering them. Some people just listen and just try to shut me down or make me feel like I'm bothering them. Yeah. They give you permission to be as you are and they, they're comfortable just staying yeah. with you. Yeah. I, I think that's one of those higher level communication things that we all long for is 
for people to connect with us as we are. You know, it's beyond just asking for things or saying what we need. We all long to be seen and known and cared for um, in all the complexity of our personality. Yes. Did it take you a long time to be able to use LAMP in that way where you could go, where people, uh, where you were able to communicate what really mattered to you? I, I know it was different for you probably because you already had those communication skills before you've been using the device, but was the device able to help you communicate at the level that you wanted to pretty early on? I was fluent with the vocabulary early on, but what taught me from communicating so honestly like this was like, like that I had in my own head life I would think to myself I can not say that or they don't want to hear that I was fluent with the vocabulary early on, but what stopped me from communicating so honestly like this was blocked in a hand in my own head, like I would think to myself, I cannot say that or they don't want to hear that. Mm. No. I just don't really care who I might offend. No, I just don't really care who I might offend. I was having a conversation with Chris Clyde about something. I was having a conversation with Chris Clyde about something. He went on a rant about speech language pathologists. He went on a rant about speech language pathologists. He was complaining about how they seem to forget about language when an AAC user is involved. He was complaining about how they seem to forget about language when an AAC user is involved. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Well, I always love to ask you this, Lance. Um, Final, Lance's words of wisdom for um, people getting started with communicating with a device, uh, whether that's the therapist supporting the person learning how to communicate or the person themselves or their family members, any words of, any words of wisdom? 
I want people to understand that people like me don't need a communication device so that we can we can tell you what they of the week it is or what we want to drink communication is so much more than that and you should want or of what you would want for yourself. I want people to understand that people like me don't need a communication device so that we can tell you what day of the week it is or what we want to bring communication is so much more than that and you should want for us what you would want for yourself. Thank you, Lance. And then Lance, because the name of our show is Helping Kids Be Kids, our final question is always, what does it mean to you to help kids be kids? I feel like what you just said speaks a lot to that, but do you have any final words about using AAC to help kids be kids? Children want to talk about things they like do they want to talk about playing and what the other children are doing they want to talk like other children Children want to talk about things they like to do. They want to talk about playing and what the other children are doing. They want to talk like other children. Mm. You shouldn't turn communication into an academic task. Because that's not really communication that testing. And if you want to turn them off of communicating, then you should just keep doing that. You should turn communication into an academic test because it's not really communication that's testing it. If you want to turn them off of communicating, then you should just keep doing that. Maybe. Each language pathologist could test it a way that the child 
Doug. No, man, it, hey, yes. Maybe speech language pathologist could have in a way that the child doesn't know that it's a test. Yeah. Lance, it's been a real honor to get to visit with you today. Thanks for joining us for today's conversation. I always enjoy visiting with you, Lance. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you have any questions for our staff or stories about how this podcast has benefited you, email us at helpingkidspodcast.com at littlelighthouse.org. If you're new to the podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. You can find us at littlelighthouse.org and on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. At the Little Lighthouse, we gladly give away our services and resources for free. We can do this because of the generosity of people who believe in the value of all kids. If this podcast helped you, Consider joining The Crew, a passionate and determined community of monthly givers on mission to discover solutions that change the future of kids with special needs. Until next time, enjoy helping your kids be kids. <laughs>